Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. If you need a Bible, just wave at one of our ushers. Um, they'd be happy to pass one to you. If you have your Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And you're going to have to listen fast this morning because I just looked at the clock. All right. So um, we're going to continue in this series. As we've been going through these apps for the modern world, most of these messages have been very personal for me because of just how the Lord has worked. It's, it's how he's taken his word and applied it in ways and literally changed my life. And, and as I've had the opportunity to share it with others and, and, and have their testimony of what God has done in their life. And this morning is no different. And we're going to, the Lord completely changed during the middle of the week where I was going with this message, and which he has the right to do, but totally different than I thought this would look like this morning. And, and I'm going to just jump in real quickly, but I need to tell you this, um, depending on the Bible that you have this morning, the part that we're focusing on, because we've been talking about prayer and how, how the impact that that's had in my own life, but we're going to look at thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some of you in your translations, you won't see that in Matthew 6.13. Okay? Depending on your translation, you have a more modern translation, they left it out. Um, or, for example, if it's in the New American Standard or Holman, it will be in brackets. It will be there, but it's in brackets. The King James, the New King James has it. Holman and NASB have it in brackets, some of the other translations. Even ESV, which I love and is a great translation, didn't put it in. Now the reason, and I'm not going to go into a whole big deal on translation and how that works, but the reason is because some manuscripts include it and some manuscripts don't include it. And so translators made a choice in, in whether to include it or not, all right? That's a whole nother, that's a, that's a lesson for another day. Um, but I want to focus on it because the Lord really spoke to my heart and he said, this is where I want you to go this morning. As we're going through, and we've been looking at praying, and, and the passage there, the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, you have, um, as w- over the last few weeks, we've talked about looking to the Lord for our, our supply, our, our, our daily bread, as the Scripture says, that, that s- supply of selfless, scheduled, um, and whatever our need is that He provides for us. Okay, we talked about that, the material things that we need in this life, the physical things that we need. There is... The relational issues that come along because we talked about forgiveness and the emphasis there is the forgiveness that we have for one another and living in a spirit of forgiveness with each other. We talked about that some last week. The next thing in the list is it talks about deliver us from evil. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Lord said, I want you to skip over that. As a matter of fact, if you want to, more on that, back in August, James preached a great message on the armor of God and how to do that. And so I'm going to refer you back there. You can go back and listen because the Lord said, I want you to go to the end of the verse. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. That is more than just a neat way to wrap up a prayer. It's more than just a cool benediction. There's so much more that's wrapped up in it because what the Lord really spoke to my heart this week is, Troy, that is a declaration of trust. I believe 
that you're going to do all the other things that I've asked you about. We started with praise in this, recognizing the one that we're praying to, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy is your name. So there's praise and worship that's going on. There is the priority that is set for us. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We talk about material needs that we have. We go to him. We share those things with him. We di- he helps us in the area of relationship and this walking in forgiveness with one another. The evil that comes against us and all of the things that we face where the enemy's attacks in our life we go through all of this and he says, Lord, I'm making a declaration of trust. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. You're the one who not only hears this, but you're capable of dealing with it. You not only are willing, but you're able. You're going to do, you're going to work in my life. And I'm declaring that I put my trust in you. If, if I were giving a title to this message this morning, I would call it the end of worry. The end of worry. Any worriers in the house? You're not going to fess up to it, are you? Come on, any worriers in the house? There's a few of you. Any of you like me? See, I never thought of myself as a worrier because I'm not an expressive worrier. How many expressive worriers? I mean, everybody knows you're a worrier, all right? How many of those do we have? You, you just express it. It comes out. I'm an internal worrier. I'm not an expressive worrier. I don't tell anybody that I'm worried. I don't even tell Lori I'm worried. I just process it inside, lose sleep over it. Bust and fume. And as a matter of fact, the Lord, when he was talking to Martha, he said, you're anxious and trouble. The word trouble literally means a, a, a riot going on. You ever feel like you got a riot going on inside? That's this whole idea of worry. The end of the prayer says, Lord, I'm putting all of my trust in you. Period. I have no backup plan. I have no plan B or C. It's you or nothing. It's all you. Now, in case some of you maybe are thinking, well, worry, it's not so bad. I mean, really. As a matter of fact, if we're honest, there's probably times in our life where we've gotten frustrated that other people weren't worried. It's like, why am I doing all the worrying? You ought to join with me on this. Sometimes we translate that in people's lives as though they're apathetic. They don't care. They're not engaged. They're not involved because they're not worrying. Just in case you think or I would think that worrying is not a big deal, I want you to look with me at the faces of worry over in Luke chapter 10. Turn with me over to Luke chapter 10. And down near the end of the chapter, you've got Jesus coming to Mary and Martha. And of course, Lazarus is their brother. But he's coming into their home. And as they go in there, it says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. And it goes on. But Martha was distracted. The word literally means she was pulled in a hundred different directions. She was pulled here, 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 here and there. She had too many things she was juggling. She was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Jesus goes on and he says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. By the way, it's a, that's a term of affection, endearment. It's not like Marsha, 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 you know, where you're upset. It's Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing stands above the rest. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The word there where it says that you are anxious, that's the word, the Greek word that's translated worry or anxious, 
all the way through the New Testament. You'll find it all over the place. He says you're anxious, you're worried, you're troubled. That word troubled there is the one of riot that's going on inside. And the Lord's talking to her, it's like, Martha, that's not my plan for you. He's not being critical of her. He's not condemning her. It's just not his plan for her. I want to say something too. Martha gets a bad rap. She really does. Martha is not the villain in this story. She's not. The enemy's the villain. Martha's not the villain. Martha is, she's a responsible, hardworking, caring woman who wants to be a good host, who wants to serve Jesus well, and she has a deadline. Can you relate to Martha? She's not a villain. There is no indication that Mary is the one who wanted to hear Jesus and Martha had no interest. There's no indication of that in the Scripture. As a matter of fact, it seems to imply the fact that Martha would love to be sitting at Jesus' feet too, but there are things that had to be done. So if Mary would come help her, then they could get it done and they could boast it at His feet. Martha's worried and she's anxious. I want you to see in Martha the faces because see, this began to help me. I didn't think I was a warrior because I was an internal warrior. I wasn't an external warrior. I wasn't an expressive warrior. And I didn't always see it as worry. And then I began to see the faces of worry in Martha. And what the first face of worry is? The first face of worry is feeling unloved and displaced. Lord, don't you care? Don't you even care? Have you noticed that I'm doing all this and Mary's doing nothing and don't you care? She feels unloved. She feels displaced. Mary's got the plate. Look at Mary. She's not doing anything, Lord, and you're giving her attention and, and all this is going on and I'm serving and I'm working and I'm doing all this. I get nothing. See, when I began to look at that, I thought, see, I never would have connected a sense of feeling unloved and displaced with worry. But Jesus declared that her heart issue was worry and anxiousness. But it was expressing itself in a sense of feeling unloved and displaced. There's another one that you see in Mary. She's irritated and angry. Have you ever noticed that about yourself when you get worried, you get more irritable? It's a face of worry, irritation and anger. She's irritated at Mary, but she's irritated at Jesus too. And haven't we been there? It's like, yeah, well, it's easy to be irritated at people because we think, well, they're people. But we get irritated at Jesus as well. It's like, Lord, don't you see? Don't you care? Can't you see what's going on? Irritation and anger is another phase. And see, as I begin to see these, it helped me. It's like, wait a second, there's a, there's a deeper issue going on here. So you have this irritation and anger that takes place. Then... You see in her a, a critical, judgmental spirit. She goes to Jesus and she's like, Lord, can't you see how hard I'm working? And Mary is slacking off. Mary's a, she's a sloth, all right? She's a, Mary's right there, okay? It's not like she's off somewhere. She's right there. Lord, don't you see this? She's critical and judgmental. Why? Because she's worried. Because she's anxious. Because, and I could give you definitions. I mean, definitions are a dime a dozen. But for me, worry is when I, when I have determined that a particular outcome is the only thing that will do. That it has to look a certain way. And if it doesn't look a certain way, then I'm worried and anxious. 
If it doesn't look this way, then God can't do what God's going to do. If it doesn't look this way, then I won't be happy or satisfied. If it doesn't look this way, it won't work out. Everything will end. It'll be, as a matter of fact, that's another face of it is this fear and panic. It's, if it doesn't happen this way, then everything that we, I've heard people talk about that with the election coming up on Tuesday. If it doesn't happen this way, then our country ends as we know it. If that's the case, it's already over. But see, we believe these things because we have determined that a certain outcome is the only acceptable result. And if that doesn't happen, I'm, and in fact, I'm fearful and worried as to whether or not it will happen. That's how the enemy comes in and attacks. There's another thing about Mary. She became very um, pushy, controlling, and manipulative. Tell her to get up and come help me. These are faces of worry. Now, you may not think of yourself a warrior, but do you see any of these byproducts of worry at times in your relationships? There was a archbishop in the Church of England, Arthur Roche. He made a, a great quote. He said that anxiety or worry is a thin river of fear running through the mind. If encouraged, it will cut a channel into which all other thoughts drain. Why don't you stop and think about that for a minute? Worry is a thin river of fear running through the mind. If encouraged, it will cut a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Everything runs there. Because whatever I worry about influences every, all of my thoughts. Every single one of them. Now, the Lord wants to deal with this. I believe that as He ends the prayer, the Lord, what we call the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, He's addressing this. This is my opinion, okay? When the Scripture has an opinion, I tell you the Scripture has an opinion. When I have an opinion, I tell you this is my opinion. But it is my opinion that one of the greatest testimonies that you and I will ever have as a believer to lost people and to other believers is when God does a work in us and we don't worry. Because most of the stuff that we do and we claim that Jesus does in us, the world says, well, we can do that too. But I'll tell you what they can't do. They can't not worry and be anxious. And neither can and we, apart from the work of Christ in us. We, we Worry and anxiety is a natural part of living. We get concerned. We, and, and as soon as whatever we were worried about gets resolved, do you know what the, the, the final word of a worry is? Tomorrow. Because once today is resolved, then I've always got tomorrow I can start worrying about. And I'm not being critical, folks. Because I began to realize as God began to work in my heart, I was a worrier. I was always thinking internally about what was going to be what needed to happen. It had to be a certain way. It had to look this way. How does the Lord want to address it in our life? I want to give you three very simple things that the Lord gave to me. All right. The first is in Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 is an amazing passage because there the Lord is talking about who he is and he's bringing comfort to the nation of Israel because of their sin and where they had been. He said, I want you to understand, I want to comfort you. I want to encourage you. I'm going to restore you. But as he's going through, he's talking about who he is and the fact that he doesn't need a counselor. He doesn't need people to advise him. Sometimes I think that's a part of our worry is we feel like we need to advise the Lord on what's going on and what needs to take place. 
Isaiah 40 says, and as I was reading through it, the Lord made it really clear. I don't need your counsel, Troy. I don't need you to advise me. I don't need you to tell me what's good and what's best. It literally says that in Isaiah 40. The Lord doesn't need you and me to tell him what's good and what's best. Lord, it would be good if you did this. It would be even better if you did this. He doesn't need my advice. But he gets down to verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? In other words, God, you don't see, you don't care, and you're not doing the right thing by me. And that's the, that's the heart of a worrier. You don't see, you don't care, and you're not doing the right thing by me. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. In other words, what he knows, you will never figure out. You will never know. It is beyond. It is too far beyond you. What he knows. He's forgotten more than, of course, he can't forget except what he chooses to forget. But he's forgotten more than we'll ever know. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Look at the next verse. Even youth, even young people, they get tired. They faint and they get weary. Young men shall fall with exhaustion. But they who wait, there's our word. It's a very interesting word. It connects back to the end of uh, or Matthew 6.13. This declaration of trust. Those who hope, literally is the word. Those who trust those who hope the the word the root of the word means to take several different chords and 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 wrap them together back on the farm in mississippi we'd say i'm gonna hitch my wagon to that okay means i'm trusting this to be able to pull i'm trusting this to be able to get me where i need to go i'm gonna hitch my wagon to it i'm gonna i'm gonna attach myself to it that's the heart the root of this word lord i am going to trust you i don't have a plan b I don't have any other option. I am going as a declaration of trust. I am counting on you and you alone. No matter what, no matter what's going on, I'm counting on you. They who trust, wait, hope for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings. You literally will sprout wings. Mount up with wings as eagles. Why? Why do you need wings? So that you can rise above and see the way God sees. So that you can see differently from a new perspective. Have you ever done that? Have you ever needed to see off in the distance? So you tried to find a better vantage point. You tried to get up higher so that you could see better. He says, when you trust me, when you wait on me, when I become your only hope, I lift you up. And when I lift you up, you see differently. A number of years ago, Department of Standards in Washington, D.C. did a study. I don't know why, but they did. And it makes a great sermon illustration. Um, but they did a study on fog. And they determined that you could take seven city blocks of fog, seven, seven blocks this way, seven blocks that, seven square city blocks, 100 feet high, 10 stories high of fog, dense fog. And there's less than one glass of water in seven blocks of fog. Less than one glass. And yet, these billions of little water droplets under the right conditions can cause you to completely be unable to see. They can completely obscure your vision. You know what worry does? It's like, it's like that fog. It's like, it's less than a glass of water. It doesn't take a whole lot. 
but completely obscures your vision. I had a friend, actually Clark's been here to preach before. The first time I met Clark, I knew there was something different about him. And the more time I spent with him, I just, I wanted to learn because it's like he, he lives differently than, than I've ever known. And, and one of the things I asked Clark one day is I said, Clark, if there was only one thing that you could tell me, you've been pastoring 20 years longer than I have. If there was one thing, only one thing that you could tell me, what would it be? And he looked at me and he said, dude, stop worrying. I don't know why he calls me dude, but he does. Dude, stop worrying. I was like, well, I'm not a worrier. He said, oh, yeah, you are. I can see it. You're a worrier. It's like, well, that's easier said than done. And he said, Troy, worry deforms you. It deforms you. It causes you not to look anything like what Jesus created you to be. I remember walking out of there that day and thinking, Lord, I don't think he worries. I think he really means I don't think he worries about anything. But I don't know how to do that. And the Lord began to put these pieces together. First of all, in Isaiah, I make a declaration, Lord, I trust you in everything, no matter what. You say, well, I can make the statement, but I'm not sure it's true. It, most of the time when I make it, it's not true yet. Remember we talked last week about good hypocrisy? I know that sounds crazy, but good hypocrisy as opposed to bad. Bad hypocrisy means I, I say one thing and I do another, and I have no intention of the two ever matching up. Good hypocrisy is I'm saying one thing by faith, and the rest of me hasn't caught up yet, but it is. It's moving in a direction. God's changing. He's transforming. The reality is there are oftentimes in my life where I declare the truth that I am still having a hard time believing, but I declare it. Lord, I'm going to trust you in this no matter what. But what about this? I'm not going to worry about the but this. I'm going to trust you in this. I am hooking my wagon to you, Lord. I'm connected to you and to you alone, no matter what. It's a declaration. You make it by faith. How did you get saved? You made a declaration by faith. Because the Holy Spirit gave you insight and revelation and you made that. How do you keep walking in this faith that you got at conversion? According to Colossians 2, the same way you came to Christ, you walk in Him. I keep doing it by faith. I keep making that declaration by faith. Lord, I trust you. Go back to Matthew 6 with me. I didn't give this passage to Nina and so it may not be on the overhead, but you can turn with me back to Matthew chapter 6 because it came to me later. But in Matthew chapter 6, uh, beginning down in about verse 20-something, I'll find it here in a second and I'll tell you. Verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Oh, let's go back and read one verse before. Okay, because it just connects with what we just talked about. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, literally mammon, which was the God. It was the money God. It literally was a spirit of mammon. And what he's saying is you can't serve money God and God God. Can't serve them both. You can't hold on to one while holding on to the other. Worry causes you and me to try to serve different masters. 
it says on the one hand, I'm serving God and I'm following Him and I'm trusting Him, but I'm also, I'm also serving this, or I'm working on making it happen this way, or I'm, 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 I'm counting on being able to influence it in a certain direction by doing this. You can't serve two masters. You can only declare trust and faith in one. He goes on, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? This is the second thing the Lord gave me. He said, Troy, you're going to have to come to me after your declaration that you're trusting me. You're going to have to come and listen to what I'm going to say to you about you, and you're going to have to believe it. You're going to have to come listen to me talk to you about you. And you're going to have to believe it. You're going to have to believe how I feel about you. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? He's saying, look at the birds. Look what the Lord does with the birds. Look at the flower. Look what God does with his creation. And compared to you, he doesn't even care about that. If he does it for them, what do you think he will do for you? See, you and I, part of our problem is is we have a hard time receiving what God wants to say to us, so I have a hard time believing that I can actually trust Him. You must, I must receive. I must be willing to listen and say, God, what do you want to say to me about me? He goes on, but if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious. He uses that word anxious or worry five times right here in this little short section of Scripture. Don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, people who don't know Jesus, people who don't know God, seek after all these things. They worry about them. They're anxious about them. And your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What is he saying? He's saying, you have to set priority. If you make trusting the Lord priority, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what, then that order, whatever is first in your life, arranges and orders everything else. Jesus didn't come preaching a message of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. I mean, there are places where he says, but that wasn't his message. His message was, I want you to put first things first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor. Let's put first things first. When you put first things first, then it orders and arranges everything else in your life. If money is first, money will order and arrange everything else in your life. If relationships of your choosing are first, then they will order and arrange everything else in your life. If your job or success or the possessions that you have, if they're first, they will order and arrange everything else in your life. If Jesus, my trust in Him, is first. That arranges everything else in my life. So I'm going to make a declaration of faith. Lord, I trust you. Number two, I'm going to listen to what you want to say to me, and I'm going to believe that I am valuable to you. Because that's exactly what he's going to communicate to you. I care about you. Because the lie is, the reason we're worried to start with, the lie is, if the Lord really cared about me, it would be easier than this. It would be smoother than this. I would have already gotten where I'm supposed to go. If, if all of that had happened, then the Lord would be demonstrating to me that he loves me and cares about me. But we've already seen in the text, the Lord cared very much about Martha and cares very much about the children of Israel. But their declaration was, you don't care. You don't care. 
Worry produces this heart that says, I'm not worthy, and you don't care. Now there's one more, and that's Philippians 4. In Philippians 4, all of this is prayer. This is why we're talking about it in relation to prayer. But in Philippians 4, there is a willingness to keep, to persevere in doing this. Would you notice what it says? Do not be anxious about anything. Same word. But in everything by prayer. But in everything by prayer. As a matter of fact, back up with you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. We've got two absolutes here. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. So the context here is this prayer that goes on between me and the Lord, where I'm declaring my trust in him. I'm making a declaration by faith and where I'm listening because prayer isn't a monologue. It's a dialogue. It's me speaking, but it's also me listening. And so I'm listening to what he's saying. And as I'm listening in all of this, I'm hearing what he's saying, but I keep on doing this. I don't stop. This becomes a way of life to me because I promise you that you, the Lord will give you peace and joy and rest today. But tomorrow you'll have new battles that will cause you to worry if you don't keep doing this. Don't you know that's true? Haven't you experienced it? You got peace now and tomorrow comes and you're like, where'd my peace go? Where'd it go? Because in everything, in nothing, I'm anxious about nothing, no thing. By the way, if you think, if the enemy lies to you or if he lies to me and says, a little bit of worry is okay. That's like a little bit of cancer is okay. All right. It's not. It's not Okay. Remember what we took the example I used a moment ago? A glass of water, seven square blocks of fog in one glass of water. A little bit does a lot of damage. A little bit is not okay. I worry about no thing, nothing at all. You say, Troy, that's just not natural. No, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. But I'm telling you, you and I, the more we experience a life without worry, without anxiety, we have no idea what that looks like. But it's incredible. It is incredible. It's incredible to you and it's incredible to the people around you. It's a testimony. Lord, Lord, I don't worry about... Why aren't you worried? Because Jesus told me not to worry. That I could trust Him in everything. That doesn't make any sense. I know it doesn't make any sense. That's not American. I know it's not American. But I'm not American. And neither are you. I'm a child of the king. I happen to be sojourning here in the United States. But my citizenship's in another country. I'm the child. I'm, I'm part of a whole different kingdom. And in that kingdom, I don't have to worry. Because my king said I didn't have to. He said, Troy, I've got bills I can't pay. I know. Well, how's God going to do that? I don't know how he's going to do that. But I know this. He told you you don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. Well, what if I do worry? Okay, you can worry. Will God still provide? I've seen God provide even when I was worried. But I've missed out. I'm the one who lost. And I've also seen him do it when I didn't worry. It's just so much more peaceful. It's so much better. I'm going to continually come back to this place over and over and over again. 
Lord, I trust you. What do you want to say to me? And repeat. Just keep doing it. Don't stop every day. Don't stop. Lord, I'm going to ask you to come play. And here's the deal. In the Lord's Prayer, He identifies the big areas where we worry. We worry about material provision. Do I have enough money? Let's be honest. How many of you see a commercial come on and they ask the question, have you saved enough for retirement? And what's your first thought? Oh, have I? Have I saved enough? What if I don't have enough? What if I run out? And then they follow up. What if you run out of money before you run out of time? Before you die, basically, but they don't, they're not that morbid. But before you kick the bucket, what if you run out of money? And then what do I do? I get worried and fearful. I mean, it, it's designed to make you worried and fearful. And then the king comes back and says, Troy, you don't have to worry about that. Now, is there planning, financial planning? Are there, is there what? Sure, there's all kinds of stuff where we can be wise and good stewards, all right? I'm not talking about foolishness. I'm just talking about not worrying. Do you realize that you and I can't plan well enough, work hard enough, or save long enough to take care of every contingent that might come into our life? We can't. We're a nation of insurance. I'm amazed at what you can buy insurance for in this country to protect against law. I mean, you can buy insurance for everything because we do not want to be in a position where we might be vulnerable and lose. I'm here to tell you that I'm a child of the king. And even if I lose, he still takes care of me. We worry about natural, material things. We worry about relationships. I can't fix this relationship. This relationship's bad. I, can't, I don't know what to do with this one. Or this, I'm, this person, we, we worry about them because that's that part about forgiving one another. We worry about evil and the evil one. And Jesus comes along and he says, I want you to declare by faith, I will not worry. I don't have to worry. You may be sitting out there this morning and you say, Troy, you just make that sound too easy. Oh, I don't mean to say it's easy. That's the reason Philippians 4 is there. You're going to have to keep living this way. You're going to have to go in with the understanding you're going to have to live this way for the rest of your life. Every day, you're going to have to declare by faith, Lord, I trust you. And you're going to have to hear what he says to you. You're going to have to talk to him and listen to him. You're going to have to live the rest of your life that way. I do. Every single day. But I can tell you this, that as long as I do, worry doesn't bother me. I am not anxious. When I get anxious, I know I stop somewhere along the way. What would your life be like? What would your home be like if you didn't worry anymore? Your family might wonder who replaced you. It's a promise. Every promise of God is a miracle in seed form. Don't ever forget that. 
Everything that his word promises me that I can have is a miracle in seed form. It is received, it is planted, and it grows. But every promise he makes is a miracle in seed form. If I'll receive it. Will you receive it? Here's another thing I'll encourage you with. and This has been helpful to me in this. Don't make it a habit of spending a lot of time with worriers if you don't want to be a worrier. It's hard. Probably impossible. So if you have a choice in a relationship and they're a worrier, try to help them come along with you. But you can't spend a lot of time with people who are constantly worrying. Most of us get drawn right back into it. We begin to believe the lies. Now, if that person, for example, if you're married to that person, I'm not telling you to leave them, okay? Don't, all right? Don't hear me say that, right? In that situation, you guys pray together and walk together in this journey and you help one another. But if you have a choice in a relationship, don't have a best friend that you have a choice with. If they want to worry and they don't want to follow you on this journey, you guys are going, you're serving two different masters. You're going two different ways. And I have found that in my own life. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Would you believe Jesus this morning that worry is not for you? Would you believe him? You're going to have to believe him. That's what it means to be a believer. You're going to have to believe him. That worry is not for you. Anxiety is not for you. It's not yours. It is not your inheritance. It's not your birthright. You have a different inheritance. A different birthright. It's not for you. Will you believe him? Will you declare to him right now, right where you are, Lord, I believe you. Worry is not my birthright. It's not mine. Would you declare, as as the Spirit prompts you, would you declare, Lord, I trust you. I hitch my wagon to you. And if you don't like that analogy, use one of your own. But Lord, I'm grabbing hold of you and I'm not letting go. You are my hope. You are my trust. You are my supply. You are my answer. You are my wisdom. You are my provision. You are everything. I'm trusting you. Now this next part may be the hardest. Would you be willing to be a receiver and let Jesus speak to you and tell you how he feels about you? Would you say, Jesus, would you talk to me and tell me how you feel about me? Tell me what you think about me. Tell me how you see me. Remember Matthew 6? If he cares for the grass and the flowers and the birds the way he does, imagine how he cares for you. Now, some of you right now, the enemy begins to lie and say, yeah, but you don't know my story. No, I don't. And you don't know mine. And I can tell you, If Jesus loves me, he loves you too.
He declared you worthy. Accepted. Beloved. And then just simply say, Lord, by your grace, I'm going to live this way every day. And when I fall off the wagon, by your grace, I'll get back on. I'll keep moving forward. In a moment, I'm going to close in prayer. We always have prayer partners here at the front. I would encourage you, if the Spirit gives you freedom, you may be a chronic worrier, or there may be something very specific that causes you to be anxious. Why don't you let us pray with you about it? Whatever it is. I promise you, nobody will be condemning or judgmental because we all got our own stuff. I give you a whole list of stuff I worry about or used to. Folks, the reason I have preached all these messages on prayer is because prayer is more than just listing off, Lord, I want you to do this and I want you to do this. It is a relationship that happens. It is communication and community that happens with me and Jesus. And in the process, I am transformed. I'm changed. I'm not who I was. I'm not what I yet will be, but I'm not who I was. That's what he does for us. Lord Jesus, all across this room, help us. There's warriors here, I know. And I put myself right with them. Lord, it's not my birthright, so I refuse to accept it. I will not accept that title. I will not wear that mantle. It is not who I am. I'm your child. I've been bought, redeemed. I am loved and accepted, and I will not. I will not take what is not mine. And I pray that for everyone in this room, that we will not take what is not ours. Lord, we declare our trust in you and you alone. We have no plan B. We don't trust the government. We don't trust the nation that we live in. We don't trust our bank account. We don't trust our job. We don't trust the relationships even outside of the ones that you give us. Lord, we trust you and you alone. And Lord, every day, this day and every day forward, we come with a receiver's heart, an open heart to hear what you say, what you want to tell us about us, how you feel about us, how you see us. And Lord, by your grace, I'm going to live the rest of my days drawing breath, doing this very thing. I pray for each one here. That as you give us strength, as you give us grace, we're going to live the rest of our days this way. We're going to be transformed. We're going to testify to the greatness and the goodness of our God. Because God, you did it. Not us, you did it. We thank you.
And Lord, if there's any need here this morning, whatever that need is, I pray right now you'd move by your spirit and you would give people freedom and courage to allow someone to pray with them about that need. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you. Thank you for just being part of what God's doing today. Remind you tonight, we begin the session with Caring for the Heart. I believe that's at 6.30, right? Is that 6.30 is right? Is that right? Yes. 6.30 tonight. So we look forward to seeing you back here, all right? If you need prayer, we're here. God bless you. You're dismissed.